Welcome to episode 15 of Miles and Pints, the travel and beer podcast. I'm Derek Dye. And I'm Jeff Brownson. And together we're drinking our way through this amazing world, one pint at a time. Whether you love to travel, you love a cold local beer, or you just can't get enough of either, you're listening to the right podcast. That's what we're here to talk about. Today's episode doesn't have a guest. Instead, Derek and I will be talking about updates in the miles, points, credit card, and loyalty spaces. We got a pretty good reaction from listeners last time we did an episode of this style, so we've decided to keep it in the rotation. Before we get to that, though, let's take a minute to thank our regular listeners. Without you, we'd just be talking to ourselves. If you haven't already, click that button to subscribe to the show so you won't miss anything we have coming down the line. And now, let's get to the good part. Sit back, relax, crack open your favorite brew, and enjoy this episode of Miles and Points with Pints. Okay, everyone, we are here. I've got Derek along with me, and we are talking about updates, updates, updates to credit cards, to hotels, to airlines, to travel. Anything that's been going on these past few weeks since we did an episode like this is fair game. And we're going to start off, uh, of course, as always. First of all, hi, Derek. How are you doing today? I'm good, Jeff. How are you? I'm fantastic. And let's let's get to the important part first and talk about what we're drinking. What do you have going there? Tonight, I have a hazy IPA from Seven Seas Brewing uh, outside of Seattle. It's in Tacoma, actually. Uh, courtesy of uh, Rick Boom, as he's known in our world. Rick Foytick, uh, one of our uh, mutual friends, he sent this to me. Really good. I had a chance to visit the brewery with Rick back in December uh, when we were having a working weekend. No fun involved at all. So, uh, no, really, definitely not. None. none. Um, Hazy IPA, really good. Uh, I've really enjoyed a lot of their beer, and uh, it's a good one for the show. How about you, Jeff? What you got tonight? Excellent. I have a Stepdad Enhanced, which is a triple dry hopped double India pale ale from the Vale Brewing Company out of Richmond, Virginia. And I had the opportunity, uh, I guess it was back in 2016, to visit the Vale, uh, their tap room. It was a great experience. They had a couple of people in doing food and the beers were great. I love the names of their beers. I love everything about this brewing company. So I'm excited to have this one. This is one I hadn't had before. This is the last of the beers from my my hoppy series of beers I got with the, the Church Key Beer Academy. So it's the last time you guys will have to hear me talk about that until the next class in the next quarter. But it's a uh, it's a delicious IPA. And like everything that I've had from the Vale, I, I think it's a, a great beer. I'm suddenly very jealous. It sounds so good. <laughs> Everything they do is good down there. It's, no, I've, it, I've heard. It, I really want to go visit. Yeah, we may have to do a, a trip at some point down to Richmond and hit some breweries down there. There's a lot of new ones even since I was there four years ago, and they're putting out some great beers out of that area of Virginia. Yeah, Virginia. Really, our entire area in the Mid-Atlantic is really pumping out a lot of good beer and it seems like every month or two another really good brewery opens with a lot of uh, different uh, varieties and really pumping out good stuff so we're uh, we're lucky where we live at least for beer purposes a lot of other weird stuff going on but you know there is real estate and not so great <laughs> traffic not so great but yeah but weather yeah weather yeah horrible. you can get beer to help you drown it out exactly so we're early in february jeff but there's a lot that's already happened in our points and miles credit card space, right? There is. And it seems that a lot of places are just trying to catch up or trying to keep customers trying to, whether it's the banks or the hotels or the airlines are realizing that things are not going to get better right away and they need to try and get customers to stick with them and be loyal. So they're really hitting it hard with these offers, which I think is great for the consumer. Yeah. And I guess the, in our last episode, if you missed it, I would go back and listen to all of our updates for the, from the points and miles space in the January episode. We're not going to cover all those again this week, but we were talking about how it seemed like Amex really hit it hard in 2020 right after lockdown happened. And they really 
took it to Chase and City and really won the credit card battle in 2020. Well, they did it again, Jeff, because the morning of February 1st, they came out with a whole bunch of dining credits and a bunch of other credits on business cards. I'm sure everyone may have heard about it now, but just to recap, almost all Amex, I guess all Amex co-branded credit cards, that would be the Hilton cards, the Marriott cards, the Delta cards, they all got dining credits ranging from $5 a month to $20 a month on those higher annual fee cards. Jeff, I just have to ask, what do you think about that? What do you think Amex's plan was for that? Are they trying to proactively save customers or are they just trying to suck us into thinking we have all these credits some people won't will forget to use and they'll still continue to pay these annual fees because they're getting so many great benefits? Well, I think there's a couple of things. One, I think that they made a big splash with this. It was big in the news. A lot of people have these cards and are excited about these credits. They're not a huge credit. It's on some of the cards, just five or $10 a month. But what that does is that gets that card in that customer's wallet. If you have several cards and you're normally spending on one or two and you know that you need a dining credit on of $10 at the beginning of the month on your Marriott card, for example, then that Marriott card is going to be in your wallet or in your purse and you're going to have that and you may not just use it that one day. They're hoping that you're going to use it for lunch three days in a row or that you're going to use it for a couple of restaurants or maybe you won't remember if you've already paid for a meal in March with it so you'll pay for three or four meals. It's, I think it's a good move. I think it's customer friendly. I think it potentially will drive a lot of business for Amex so I think it's good on both sides of things. I'm a big fan of these offers even though they they seem minimal, it can really add up over the course of the promotion. I think you're absolutely right in your analysis there. And I think for Amex, it comes down to two things. Number one, a lot of people will not remember to use every dining credit they have every month, number one. And number two, and probably more important for the average consumer, the average consumer that has an American Express will not do what us points and miles crazy people might do and go to a restaurant and ask them to split a bill five ways or three ways or however many cards you have that night, right? You're not going to say, here's my Aspire. Could you put $20 on this card? And here's my Bonvoy Brilliant. Can you put $20 on this one? And then for the tip, here's one for you know $20 here and $20 there. I think the average American Express cardholder will see this credit if they remember to use it they're going to go to dinner, spend, you know, whether it's carry out or eat in, whatever. They're going to go in and they're going to charge the entire amount on that card uh, and receive their $5 to $20 credit, as you mentioned. And especially in the case of a card that you pull out what we call the sock drawer, you haven't been using, you know, you throw a $50, $60, $70 dinner on that card that you wouldn't have done otherwise for a $20 credit. At the end of the day, and when combined with people not using these other credits, forgetting to use them, I think it's a big win for Amex, honestly. Yeah, and just a tip for our listeners, one way that you can, I guess, kind of get around the having maybe several of these cards with the credits or forgetting to use the credits is at the beginning of each month, say you have three cards that get a, a 10 or a, one that has 10 and two that have $20 credits, go to one of your favorite restaurants. Maybe you eat it. Uh, it can really be anything. It could be a, a fine dining resin restaurant. It could be something like Panera. Go and buy a $10 and two $20 gift cards and then use them through the rest of the month. If you forget to use them, they're going to still be there the next month. So a great way to do that is to buy some small denomination gift cards right at the beginning of each month. Make sure you've hit those credits. Of course, make sure you've registered for these offers, um, added, added the offers to your card, and then you'll have those offers spent and you won't have to worry about remembering to pay for your lunch or your dinner or whatever on those cards each month. Yeah, that's a great point. And again, the main thing is for us in the points of mile space, it's always about maximizing your return on cards. And the biggest way to maximize this, however you use it, is don't spend on something you wouldn't normally spend just because it's quote unquote free. It's not free if you weren't going to buy it to begin with, but also use your credits. If you have $20 a month to use or 
If you have five cards and it's $100 a month to use, make sure you use those every month, even if it is, like you say, Jeff, buying a gift card to your favorite restaurant or loading your account. I know Chick-fil-A apparently works, uh, Starbucks works, Dunkin' Donuts works, things like that. So don't forget to use them and don't spend on things you wouldn't otherwise spend on. And I would say just a, a lesson that I learned in January the hard way. Um, so people can understand that even if we teach people about this and we've been doing it for years, sometimes we still mess it up. But I had registered my Amex Platinum card for the the PayPal promo, which we talked about in the, the last episode there. And it's $30 a month of credit when you use your Amex Platinum through PayPal. So I went just like I said I was. I bought my subscription to Straight to the Points Premium, uh, Spencer Howard's new service that he just launched this year. And I made sure I added my Amex Platinum card and I set it as my primary credit card. And sure enough, I somehow managed to pay that bill out of my PayPal balance. And of course, I didn't look and notice that until just the 6th of February. So there was no way I could go back and get that $30 credit for January, which makes me very sad. And you've heard me talk about how much I love this $30 a month credit. And of course, I, I messed it up the very first month. So make sure you're spending those credits early in the month, whether it's the PayPal, whether it's the dining credits, and make sure that they have credited to your card and it is charged the right way so that you don't lose out on that money like I managed to do for January. And shameless self-promotion here. If you are a member of my Facebook group, Travel on Points, or you're a follower of my blog, travel-on-points.com, I send out a monthly reminder of things to accomplish by the end of the month. That goes out on the 20th of each month. This this month, that'll only give you eight days, but most most months it gives you 10 or 11 days to knock out all these reminders. And of course, all of these reminders to use all of your MX credits will be there. So even if you forget, come uh, read that monthly reminder post and travel on points and you'll have at least a week or more to knock all of those out. And talking about the credits, Jeff, not only did the personal cards get the dining credits, but... All of the co-branded business cards got their own credit, which was mobile credits, uh, $15 each, I believe. What's your thoughts on that? That's something that is not quite as easy to use uh, as a dining credit, but definitely more targeted towards business. And again, they're doing a good job of targeting towards things that businesses will use. So I think people that have those business cards actually for their business will be able to use those credits pretty easily. Again, another nice move by Amex, just giving you a, a little bit extra to try and counteract that annual fee and try and make your, your 2021 a little bit better. Yeah. And one thing I've heard over and over and over again, first in 2020 with the mobile credits on the various Amex cards, and now with this credit on the business co-branded cards, there's a, apparently an issue with Verizon. Sarah and I have AT&T, so it hasn't popped up for us, but there's apparently an issue with Verizon you lose a, some type of discount if you take off your auto pay and paying these amounts for your credit will lose your discount for auto pay. So I haven't experienced that myself, but I've heard a lot of DPs about that. People are always asking, should I, should I pay this with my Amex to get this credit, even though I'll lose my auto pay? And a lot of times I believe the answer is no, it's not worth it, but you have to do that on analysis for yourself. Yeah, and that's something where Verizon gives a significant discount for auto pay, but they don't allow credit cards for auto pay. They allow only debit cards or I think direct uh, payments from your bank account, from your checking account. So if I remember correctly, it's like a $30 credit. So you really don't want to not do that to get a, a $15 or a $20 credit on your Amex. But what you can use that credit for in that case is with any mobile service you can buy if you need another charger, if you need another charging block, if you need a case for your phone, anything like that, you could use some of these credits for. If you're going to lose a discount, you don't want to try and earn a credit by losing a discount. It kind of knocks things back to zero for you. And that's a great tip, Jeff, for all those Verizon customers out there. Thanks for that. Another issue I've heard with regard to the mobile credit, first in 2020, it seemed to get resolved and now it's back. Hopefully it'll get resolved again. But Google Fi service seems to trigger the credit, not trigger the credit. It's sort of up in the air. It seemed like when they first announced wireless credits in 2020, 
Google Fi was not counting. They fixed it. Now in 2021 with this new credit, we're just a, obviously a weekend, uh, nine days in or so. It's not counting again. So let's hope again they fix that and Google Fi works. But just be aware of that if you're a Google Fi user, it may not work and you may have to fight for Amex to get that $15 credit. Yeah, and that was something where I actually have my Google Fi charging to my Blue Business Plus card, and I was seeing those credits, so I'll have to keep an eye out and see if that uh, is a problem for me this month as when that bill comes in. I think it's a, another week or two for me until that charges. And Jeff, I guess this brings us to a more 35,000-foot view of, of Amex fear right now. We talked about the PayPal promo in January and now all the dining credits on the co-branded cards personal cards and the mobile credits on the co-branded business cards. What are your thoughts with regard to Amex, what they're doing? It seems to me they may be trying to proactively take away any retention offers on these co-branded cards saying, oh, no, 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 no. You, You need to pay the annual fee and you need to just move on. We've already given you extra value outsize value. I mean, a perfect example is some like the Hilton no annual fee card. You know, it gets $5 a month for 11 months. So they're giving you $55 on a no annual fee card. I don't know how you would ever call that card and expect a retention offer. Maybe they will. But with that in mind, do you think Amex's underlying motive is let's cut off these retention offers now before they become an issue because Amex was handing out retention offers in 2020 like they were candy. I think it will be definitely something that comes up. And I've heard a couple of data points already where people call in to talk about a retention bonus or potentially getting the annual fee waived as a retention bonus. And the the reps have called out and said, hey, well, you spent all this money and you got all these credits every month on this and this and this and you got this credit and this credit. And uh, one person, I think, had the best return on that, and that was that I spent those things because you gave me credits. It would be silly not to. I'm not keeping the card because I know you're – I'm not going to keep the card because you're not going to give these credits. It's not a permanent part of the card, but it's still – if you want me to keep this card, either you will have to add something permanently or we'll have to do some sort of retention here. So it's it's something that's come up already with people who have – um, their their cards coming up for renewal. I don't know if they're trying to avoid retention, giving retention credits at all, or if they are just want that as a tool in the arsenal for their reps to be able to negotiate and and see what they can do. Because a lot of people may hear that you've spent this 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 credit, and they'll say, oh okay, and they'll pay the annual fee. And if they get, I don't know, twenty five fifty percent of people that just pay the annual fee at that point, then it's a good business move for them. Yeah, I think that's right. And honestly, I'm typically a glass half empty kind of guy. But I think we saw all of those generous Amex credits in 2020 and the retention offers were still crazy good, honestly. I mean, we were seeing $500 just for calling in to renew the Amex Platinum, you know, on a $550 fee. So it doesn't get much better than that when they were giving you I think about a thousand bucks in value overall once you counted up all the credits. So I hope, I expect that nothing will change with regard to the, to the retention offers, but I guess it remains to be seen. But I, I'm hopeful. I think they will continue, maybe not at the current pace, but I think MX understands that people aren't spending for travel like they were in 2019, even though we're over a year now into into this terrible time with COVID. But all those co-branded cards are directly travel related. So they understand there's a major issue there. Yeah. And let's, I guess, talk about how Chase and City are responding to this, because uh, similarly to January, they're playing catch up. Um, Amex has put out these great offers and these great credits on so many of their cards. And Chase and City kind of saw that and they were like, oh, no, that's that's bad. Let's see if we can do something. And I think largely they failed at responding on the same level that American Express has. But I, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that, too. And let's talk a little bit about what Chase has done, what they've put out there for customers. Yeah, honestly, I'm not impressed, Jeff. And I'm a I'm a big fan of Chase. I'm a big fan of most of their cards. I still think that 
you know, people that are new to the award travel space should obviously focus on Chase due to the 524 rule. But I think Chase struggled in 2020 with keeping up with Amex. And in some ways, City was better than Chase on a lot of their credit card offers. But Chase has responded a little bit, but it's nothing to compare to Amex. I mean, the best promo going for them right now is the 5,000 bonus points on the world of Hyatt credit card for swiping 50 times. And we've seen the data points already. $50 loads on Amazon or paying your cell phone bill if you're allowed to or your utility provider if you're able to. 50 times at a dollar each. What does that matter in the grand scheme of things? Chase is getting nothing out of it if you game it like that. And the consumer, yeah, 5,000 Hyatt points are great. I mean, it's a it's a 1.33 nights at a Category 1 Hyatt right now under the 25% back points promo through the end of February. But at the end of the day, that's nothing compared to Amex's offers. A hotel night at a at a hotel Hyatt place or Hyatt house is not nearly the same value as you know twenty dollars a month for the next eleven months two hundred and twenty dollars. It's good, but it's not great, and that's about the only major chase offer that's been announced. Um, but in that vein, have you figured out how you're going to swipe fifty times yet? I haven't done it yet. I haven't figured it out and I need to because I'm I don't want to do it all in one day. I want to spread it out over the course of the month. I will swipe my Hyatt card and I'll swipe my wife's Hyatt card, but it's going to be for very low charges. Like you said, it'll be for something on Amazon, Amazon for loading the gift card balance there. You want to be careful there because Amazon can get cranky if you play around with gift cards too much. So I'm, I'm almost afraid to do that. Probably I'll look at utility companies, something like that. And I will do that, but it, this is not a promo that is going to make me put that Hyatt card in my wallet and do daily spend on it. It's a promo that'll make me find a way to do that spend as efficiently as possible to get those 5,000 points. And again, it's not something that's super exciting to me, that quick 5,000 points. And I think that's partially because travel is so limited right now. There, I mean, you look at Amex, Amex is giving you straight cash back for the things you're going to buy at restaurants or at your your mobile providers. And Chase is giving you points at a time where it's largely not safe to travel and most people aren't traveling. So I think they they kind of missed the mark on that one. Yeah, that's a great point. I feel like in ways I've I've heard a lot of bloggers say that Chase has been sort of tone deaf, I guess, uh, in in times of the pandemic. And I think on this one, you're absolutely right. Co-branded cards, by their nature, are travel-related. Hotels and airlines. While Amex is taking those cards and giving you tangible benefits right now. Non-travel-related benefits. Right. Coffee credits, lunch credits, dinner credits, whatever. Chase is saying, hey, you know, to an average consumer, not us, right? Not, Not people that know how to maximize these things. To the average consumer, they're saying... Put this card in your wallet and swipe it for every purchase you make this month to hit 50, right? And hopefully you hit 50. To that average consumer who hasn't gone on a trip in a year, what does 5,000 Hyatt points do for them? I I feel like you'd be better off having more spending bonuses for Chase cards on your ultimate rewards weren't earning cards, where at least you could pay yourself back for grocery purchases or home improvement store purchases. At least those can give you tangible benefits if you're not traveling. And while I love Hyatt points and I'll take every single one they give me, to the average consumer, like you say, hotel points don't matter right now. And I don't think the average consumer cares, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, and they've done some other bonuses on their other cards, but I think what they haven't done the way Amex has is switch those additional offers away from the travel category. And I guess they have on on some of the hotel cards, they've got bonuses at grocery stores through the end of March. Those are typically capped. The, the Marriott, IHG, those cards are capped at $1,500 in spend. 
and you've got some bonus points offers on those cards. So those are nice because people are still buying groceries, even if they're home. Um, you have the Chase Freedom has a, a benefit for spending on gas, but it's only up to $150 benefit. So it's not a, a huge benefit. And again, you have to be traveling at least a little bit or commuting, which a lot of people are working from home. So overall, I'd say the Chase promos are not as exciting as the Amex ones. And I, I really hope we see more from them coming out uh, over the course of the next few months. Yeah, agreed. And I think overall, like I said before, Jeff, I think Chase should focus on the ultimate rewards earning cards. Again, I'll take all the IHG, Marriott, Hyatt points they'll give me, United, Southwest, whatever, on those cards. But at the end of the day, the average consumer would benefit more from category bonuses for dining, grocery, and gas on ultimate rewards cards where they can use those points to pay themselves back for grocery, home improvement store purchases. And it would be nice if the pay yourself back would be expanded for restaurants and um, gas stations. Because again, I think the average family right now, the average American consumer is spending money at grocery stores, gas stations, and restaurants, especially takeout. So overall, just like 2020, I think Amex is really laying it on chase and they are struggling to catch up. But there's also a third bank, Jeff. What about City? What do you have for them? <laughs> and City is lagging far behind both Amex and Chase. They just I I keep expecting to see something from City that is a universal type of a credit or a bonus or something that will compete with these offers on the premium cards from Amex and from Chase and they just keep not doing it. And I don't know what they're waiting for or if they've just made the business decision that, hey, if we lose some customers, then we lose some customers. But I would love to see them come out and give us some sort of credit on their their prestige card, their premier card, the, the thank you points cards or some of their co-branded cards. We have seen a little bit of credit. There's some targeted spending offers on their American Air cards and on the I think on the premier card, too where you could earn 5x spending on but it's it's very limited with just $500 in in total spend that you can earn that on so a total of 2500 points but that's not it that's not something new for our current world situation that's something that they've done for years they've sent out mailers with those targeted promos so they they haven't changed they may have increased the targeting on that but they haven't done anything that really, uh, I guess, universally affects their customers or gives a bonus to their customers. Right. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think in the, since the pandemic started, City has really only done two things that were really, really helpful. One was allowing the prestige travel credit, the $250 calendar year credit to be used at grocery stores rather than travel. That helped probably the average prestige cardholder. Uh, also, the second thing was the fairly widely targeted, I think it's fair to say, uh, $25 credit per city card for spend on, on the Black Friday weekend. I think it went from from the day after Thanksgiving through, the, through uh, Giving Tuesday or something, uh, like a four-day period. You could get up to, I think it was 5% cash back up to $25. Something along those lines. It ended up being $25 per card. Most people had it on every city card they had. So it could really add up if you had, you know, four, five, six city cards. But other than those two promos, I can't really think of anything unusual that City has done in, uh, since the start of the pandemic to really help their card holders. But really, those are things that they did last year. The only thing we've seen extended is that prestige credit being usable not on travel so i think we're just waiting 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 for for city to come out with something but in the meantime we've had a a, a new bank show up on our radars in the miles and points space and in the the earning space and that i'm going to let you talk a little bit about and that is the uh brex bank and they have some new offers out for cards and accounts that are 
almost unheard of for business accounts. Right. Yeah. I wrote my review of it for Travel on Points this week. Brex Business Cash is a new, it's not a new account, but it's just now hitting the word travel space because of their increased limited time promotion offer through one mile at a time, which other blogs have affiliate links through one mile at a time for it. But using that exclusive link, you can sign up for this Brex Business Cash account as an S Corp, C Corp, LLC, or LLP as a registered U.S. business. Unfortunately, sole proprietors do not work. But if you're one of those types of registered U.S. corporations, you can sign up. Fairly seamless process for me. It was less than 15 minutes. And for signing up for the account and spending $1,000 on the quote-unquote credit card, I'll explain more about that in a second, you get 80,000 points, which is 80,000 airline miles to airlines such as Singapore or Cathay Pacific or Life Miles and and several others. Um, You can also get an extra 10,000 points, another $100 or 10,000 airline miles for spending $3,000 on your card, $1,000 for $80,000 and then an extra $10,000 for uh, $3,000 total on that card. And then if you link payroll to your business, Brex business cash account, you get an extra 20,000 points, $200 or 20,000 airline miles. So in total, like you said, Jeff, it's an $1,100 bonus or, or for us points of miles enthusiasts, 110,000 airline miles for Cathay, for Life Miles, for Singapore, and a bunch of others. Brex business cash is no fee at any time, no annual fee, no transaction fees, no monthly fees, nothing, not even for international or domestic wire transfers. Um, That is unheard of. Yeah. And I don't understand how they're doing it, how they pay for it, how they, the new customer acquisition cost there is huge and they're not charging fees on the back end for it. So it's, it's honestly a, a no-brainer if you have a business that is incorporated, even if you are a sole proprietor, but you have registered for an LLC, that this is an account that you should get. And you should get it through someone who has access to that one mile at a time deal or through one mile at a time. Travel on Points has access now, I believe, in your air post. You have the links for that. There's just... it's. I, I don't know why anyone wouldn't do this. Right. It, it, it's unbelievable, right? I mean, it, it truly is. I mean, $1,100, let us be honest, right now, $1,100 is unbelievable. In normal times, imagine if I told you no credit check, almost a guaranteed approval for the account if you meet the qualifications, and you could get 110,000 Singapore Cathay miles. Right? I mean, that's unheard of. Unheard of. No annual fee and no credit check. All day, every day. I would do that over and over and over again. Absolutely. So uh, we don't know how long the offer is going to be good for. As of the time of the recording of this show, uh, it is valid. Travel on Points has a link. You can also, you you know, go to your your favorite blog um, and sign up for that through their link if they have an affiliate link under one mile at a time. If it's travel on points, great. If not, go to your favorite blog. But but do it if you qualify because literally it took me 15 minutes to set up the account and then another five minutes or so to transfer money from my PayPal business account to my new Brex business cash account. And within eight hours, the 20,000 points hit 200 bucks for five minutes of time. So I'm still spending the thousand dollars and then the $3,000 on the card. And then I, I fully expect that the, those extra 90,000 points will hit fairly easily. And I mentioned earlier, it's quote unquote credit card, uh, in quotes rather than an actual credit card. So this account, it's interesting. There's no credit check because it's not really a credit card. You can only spend up to 80% of the money you have in your cash account on your card. They keep the card and the cash separate for whatever reason, but it makes sense once you see your account. So if you have $2,000 in your cash account, 
you can spend up to 1600 on your card. And that's why there's no credit check required. It's almost like a secured credit card, even though it's not. But yeah, or like a prepaid card of it, some type. Exactly. So again, no, no credit check required, almost guaranteed approval if you meet the qualifications of a registered corporation, S-Corp, C-Corp, LLC, LLP. If you meet that and you can spend $3,000 in, I think, 90 days, go do it. It's $1,100 or 110,000 air miles. It's the biggest no-brainer in a long time. So... So we've been talking about credit cards for longer than we planned on talking about here, but it's, I mean, that's where the most exciting things are happening, but let's pop over to hotels quickly and talk about what's going on with hotels. The, the Hyatt promos that we talked about on the last show, they're going through the end of the month. If you don't know about those promos, listen to our last show, take a look at the posts on travel on points on other blogs. You can find plenty of information on that, but Derek went over it pretty well in our last miles and points with pints episodes. Get this days in. If you want to do that, it's getting a little late though. You still have, and and we still have two thirds of the month left once this episode goes live. So you still do have time to earn globalist. If you want to Marriott has added some, some promos to their stays and and made things a little bit easier but in typical marriott style they've had some problems with registering for that and do you want to talk a little bit about that derek about what the what the promo is and of course the the marriott issues with registering for it first i will say i have no first-hand experience of what the current marriott promotion is because i cannot register for it like most of the world they somehow i was joking and travel on points that the day we figured out there were issues the same day they announce a global promotion, they block it to all of their loyal members in the entire globe. It makes no sense who announces a promotion and then doesn't let their members sign up for it. Cause that's exactly what bomb boy did, right? The promotion in theory, again, in theory, because I can't sign up for it, You get double elite nights on paid stays starting on February 16th. Why is that a big deal? It's a big deal mostly because Marriott had already announced that status for 2021, earning status this year, is cut in half. So whatever your status was in 2020, the nights needed for that status, you get 50% credit for those nights that will be added to your 2021 status to make the earning for for this year cut in half. So if you were platinum last year, 50 nights needed, you started off, you now have 25 nights in your account towards platinum, plus any credit card nights you have. So if you're lucky enough to have a Chase or Amex business and personal, you get 15 nights for each of those cards, which stack. 15 each totals 30. Marriott gave you 25. You're already at 55, so you've already earned platinum status for this year, which would go through the end of February 2023. So now you're saying to yourself, it is early February, and I'm only 20 nights away from titanium. Not only does titanium get you some extra benefits, get you a free night certificate, uh, as as one of your annual choice benefit options, but it also helps you with your lifetime status as a as a year of titanium. Well, actually, two years of titanium status, twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two, before it would end in twenty twenty three. So you're sitting here early in the year as a fifty five night platinum guest, even if you haven't stayed a single night in a Marriott hotel in 2021, you're 20 nights away. Well, with double elite nights, you only need 10 nights during the promo period to lock in titanium. So that's getting a lot of people thinking about uh, a mattress run for Marriott. Which And that's right up with what the Hyatt promo was. They've, they've kind of said, you can do that. We can do that too. The only problem is they apparently don't have anyone who can program correctly to let people register for it which is something we've seen. We saw it with Marriott a little bit. We saw it when they absorbed uh, Starwood preferred guest. 
and we've seen it since then with all sorts of IT issues. And I do not know why they can't get this figured out, but it always seems to be a problem with them. So hopefully before the 16th, when this uh, double credit goes live, they will be able to get this figured out so people can register. But it's it's a point of pain right now for people who are excited about this and who can can see a way to up their their status with this uh, this great offer that they put out. Yeah, and the latest data points just say go to Twitter, reach out, say I can't register for this promo, and they'll take care of it within a couple of minutes. But that's apparently the only way for the vast majority of us to register. Um, with that, Jeff, we have to talk about the other two massive hotel chains who are doing nothing to help their members. Hilton and IHG. Tell us about those. Yeah, I was going to say that you have Hyatt and Marriott are now neck and neck. Uh, It's like the credit card side where Amex is is killing it. Chase is trying to keep up but not quite doing it. And then you have City. Here we have Hyatt and Marriott are actually keeping up with each other with great promotions and Hilton and IHG have said, eh, we'll toss you a couple points. And they are just are, are not even coming close to trying to retain those customers and those loyal members. Hilton has put out a promo that you get an additional 2000 bonus points per night and an additional 5k for every fifth night through May. Um, I don't know how many people will be staying. It's certainly not something you're going to do a mattress run to earn 5,000 extra points. And I don't know how many people will be staying five nights, maybe business travelers, if they are still traveling, though a lot of that is still shut down. I just don't know who's going to benefit much from that promo. And IHG has done a similar thing without the extra 5,000 points. So they're giving 2,000 bonus points per two nights uh, through the end of March. So those two hotels... Hyatt and Marriott have kind of said, look, we know you're not going to travel that much. We know you're not going to stay. Here's all the ways that you can maintain this elite status. If you do travel a little bit, you can even up your status. Hilton and IHG have said, hey, we want you to still travel. So we're going to give you this tiny bit extra to encourage you to travel in a time when you maybe shouldn't be traveling. And I just don't get it. Jeff, I cannot believe you aren't excited over like $5 a night worth of points at IHG. $5 a night. Yeah, I'm not going out there and doing a mattress (laughs) run for that. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, who comes up with this? Hey, we know our points are not worth a lot. Let's give, if people stay two nights, let's give them a thousand points a night, huh? Like $5. They stay for a month, they'll get one nice hotel night for free. Come on. It's like someone looked at it and said, what's the least amount we could possibly give people and make it seem like a promotion? Yeah, it's it's bad. It's bad. And, you know, as a as a third option, Hilton and IHG are both great. They both have, you know, great brands. Everyone can find hotels in either of those brands that they love. Some people are true Hilton loyalists and they have a huge footprint worldwide. But you look at these promos and it's like, come on, really? Do they, do they not have a marketing or advertising department that looks at this and is like, yeah, we're, we're way behind what's going on. And it almost seems like Amex should be talking to Hilton because they've put out some great promos on the Aspire card (laughs) and Hilton is just doing nothing to encourage people to stay at their hotels. Yeah, it's bizarre. And speaking of the haves and the have nots in the, in the credit card and the hotel space, Let's talk about airlines. There's only one airline that's, I think, doing the right thing, even though it might be just perception. Delta announced this week, Jeff, that they're going to continue blocking middle seats through the end of April. So we have almost three more months of empty middle seats on Delta. Currently, the only airline still doing that, and they extended it even further. Personally, I think it's a great idea, even if it's a placebo effect and it doesn't really matter. But I also think the average American that probably hasn't flown since the beginning of the pandemic, if they're going to have a carrier, they would like to have an empty middle seat. What are your thoughts? 
And I think it's certainly something that people think about. We talked about this a little bit on the last updates episode that it may not actually be safer to have a blocked middle seat, but it's, it gives you that happy feeling. It <laughs> lets people think that they have a little bit more space and, and on, quite honestly, like pandemic aside, if there was an airline that always blocked middle seats, I would fly it because <laughs> it's nice to have not have to fight over the armrest. It's nice for me to be able to put my uh, small carry on under the middle seat. It's I, I'm again, I'm I'm not sure it's safer, but it's a comfort factor. And they were the only ones doing it through the end of March. I think it was before. And they've gone ahead and said, you know what, we're going to do it through the end of April. Maybe it's because their loads are lower and they can afford to do that. But even if it's something where they have to fly a couple more planes because they're doing this, then that keeps a few more pilots and a few more flight attendants employed. And I I love this move by Delta. It's it's friendly for their staff. It's friendly for their customers. There's I have nothing bad to say about it. Agreed. I think, again, in my perception, even if it is a placebo effect and it doesn't matter, the average American consumer, all things out, all things considered, if price is the same and the route is fairly similar, I think they would go with Delta based on an empty metal seat because, again, it is somewhat of a com- comfort factor. If you're hopping on a plane for the first time in 12 months, you might not want a stranger sitting four inches away from you. I get it. And I think even if it doesn't ensure higher safety standards or health standards, I think mentally there is something comforting about that empty metal seat. And this week also, Jeff, we sort of credit card promotion, but it also goes with one of our favorite domestic airlines for both of us, Southwest. They announced that elite status and the companion pass are easier to earn. Uh, Companion pass is extended for people that earned it last year for a little bit longer. And they also announced some interesting credit card promotions where you can earn a companion pass good for the rest of 2021 until the end of February, February 28th, 2022, plus 30,000 Southwest miles by signing up for any of the three personal cards. What are your thoughts on the Southwest promotions and the new credit card offers? So I've talked about this in in several spaces. Uh, Most recently, I think it was over on Clubhouse where we talked about the companion pass a little bit. And I said, I've never had a companion pass. It's never been the the right move for me to do so much effort to get a companion pass when I it varies so much who I'm traveling with, whether it's my wife and kids, just my wife, myself, my friends. Um, But this is compelling for me. They've taken away a little bit of the points from the bonus. They typically have a 50 or 60,000 point offer, sometimes as high as we've seen as high as 75, I think. Um, But they've dropped that down to 30,000 points and the companion pass, which if you have one person that you're going to travel with or a couple people that you can travel with through the year, that absolutely makes up for it. It turns it into a 60,000 point offer as you use those 30,000 points. So it's a it's a very similar offer, even though it may not look for it. But if you have other Southwest points or you buy Southwest tickets, then it becomes a much more valuable offer to have that companion pass. So I, I'm a big fan of this offer. Agreed. I think in my full analysis going to go out and travel on points this week because the offer just came out the day we're recording this. But my initial thought is that for those that either can travel now either because they've had coronavirus and have antibodies, uh, they are comfortable traveling for whatever reason, they have a good testing system, whatever, or those that strongly feel that travel will open up soon in 2021 and will be somewhat okay for the remainder of the year. makes a ton of sense. I mean, right now you're looking at earning a companion pass for a year and a half, I'm sorry, a year and a half a month, so uh, 12 and a half months of a companion pass for one credit card sign-up plus the 30K. If if you're one of the two above, if travel opens up for you or you're currently traveling for what, you know, and you're able to do it safely, if you can get five or six 
trips in in the next 12 and a half months, even if the average trip is 200 bucks, that companion pass is worth, you know, 12, 13, 1400 dollars. So that's a that's a tangible benefit in addition to the 30,000 points which for Southwest are about $450 on their own. So if you can stack those and take four or five trips by the end of next February, let's hope we all can uh, after vaccines really roll out, but if you can do four or five trips plus the $450 worth of points, it makes sense for certain people. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So not too much other exciting news coming out of airlines. Um, let's pop over to general travel and we'll run through a couple of quick things we've seen there. We like to keep this this part of the segment uh, or this part of the episode kind of short because we don't uh, produce this instantly and get it live. So things change so quickly during this time. We are recording the same week this this month um, that that this will go live, but it'll it's always fun to see what we talk about in the general travel section that has changed by the time the podcast actually actually goes live. Let's first of all, let's talk about uh, the U.S. implemented since we did a, our last update episode testing required for reentry. Uh, COVID testing is required for reentry from any international destinations for everyone. And there was a huge blow up in the news about that. And it's kind of, it's a weird implementation because everything with COVID has been, but it's the responsibility of the airlines to make sure that this is the case from people coming back from other countries. But honestly, I haven't seen as many problems with it in the news as I expected there would be. Yeah. And Jeff, again, I'm usually a cynic and I'm very cynical about this. I had the same concerns when Sarah and I traveled to the USVI a few weeks ago. They had a testing requirement to enter and it was testing within five days. As I understand it, the testing requirement for reentry from international destinations is three days. While I think generally testing is a great idea, we should be doing something, right? I mean, I think most everyone agrees something is better than nothing, but the big problem I have with it is a lot can happen in three days for the USVI. A lot can happen in five days. You get tested on Monday or Tuesday. You can go do whatever you want until Saturday morning and then show up in the Virgin Islands. The same thing is here. Three days before you hop on a plane back to the US, you can go do whatever you want. Is that a full moon party in Thailand? Is it a packed resort in Mexico with hundreds and hundreds of people where you're, you know, going to raves every night? Without any guidelines, a 72 hour is meaningless. And again, while I think testing is good, my gosh, I don't know what the general net effect is going to be. I kind of agree with that. I think that I, but like you, I just don't have a better solution. There's, you can't require it to be lower than the 72 hours because there aren't tests available in most places that can turn them around that quickly. So that's kind of the best we can do and the best we can require. And I think the hope is that it catches at least a percentage of people who may be traveling or maybe planning to travel with COVID, whether they know it or whether they don't know it. With the the five day or the the three day, you could actually have caught COVID before you got that test, and it just hasn't uh, reproduced to the amount that would test positive on that five days out. So it's there's a wide range of people who could still have COVID and be traveling into the country, which is why I think people are are saying that not people are saying, which is why travel is much lower and why it's not suggested to travel. Uh, unless it's necessary at this point. But I think the testing helps. I don't think it solves the problem. Agreed. Yeah, I, th- I think you just articulated what I was trying to say. It's certainly better than nothing. Will it, will it stop an inflow of COVID into the United States? Probably not, right? It's not going to be a net that catches everything. It might catch some, but it certainly won't catch all. And that's true of going to other countries. You see, every time a country opens, 
it seems like it's followed uh, fairly quickly with an outbreak. I saw that French Polynesia, for example, suddenly closed early February. Like we're closing in 48 hours from now. Tourists, get out. Uh, and if you're getting ready to come, don't come, right? Because at the end of the day, while testing is better than nothing, it's it's really tough to implement. And that brings me to another point, Jeff, about testing. The interesting piece I've seen from a lot of resorts, especially in Mexico, they are offering free tests for their guests so that you will come, enjoy your vacation, and then have free testing to get back to the U.S. And some I've seen are even going as far as saying, if, if you test negative, you can come back here. And in some cases, they'll even pay for the stay for your quarantine to go back. What do you think about that? And and more importantly, I guess, do you think that's going to really sway anyone to travel? Because I know I can't just take an unannounced extra 14-day vacation after my vacation before going back to work. So there's two parts to that. I think the reason that this is being done is because these locations are so desperate for the tourism dollars and the tourism to come back that they're willing to add these benefits in so that people will continue to travel there. So the resorts in Mexico, when we were there, there were, they had very minimal occupancy that has come up a little bit since that time, which was back in September of last year. The I would have loved to have had a free test because I, as I've mentioned before, I ended up having to get uh, tested twice before I was comfortable flying home, knowing that I didn't have COVID. And those cost me $130 or $140 a piece. So to have that as a free benefit, especially if the U.S. is requiring the testing, is great. I don't know how much those what the cost is to those resorts for doing those tests. I assume it's not the full amount that I paid. But it is some cost to them. What they're basically doing is trying to keep people coming so that they can stay afloat and they can keep making money because so much of that area in Mexico and the Caribbean is built on tourism and on that tourism money that comes in that they are desperate after this past year to get some of that money keep coming in. So I think this is a good way for them to do that. I I personally am excited about it. You said you can't spend an extra 14 days if you do have to quarantine. I think that there are a lot of people who are a little more flexible and could work from Mexico that this would be a great option for. And I think there's even some some strange, strange people out there who would hope that they test positive so they can get a free 14 day stay. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's always that one person, right? <laughs> Question I have for you. With the testing now required for reentry from international, grab your crystal ball. Do you think in the next, say, three to four to five months before, let's say, midsummer, do you see there being some type of requirement for negative tests before domestic air travel? I don't know. And we have seen talk of that this week. We've seen people pushing it on social media networks and in the news that we should have domestic testing. I think that similar to the international, it would be a good thing. It would help. It would not solve the problem. But I also think that we don't necessarily have the testing infrastructure to make that happen. And it would be a problem with people who are going to be traveling international, people who are going to be traveling domestic, people who need the tests because they have symptoms. It would just it would be a big mess for a long time if they implemented that. Would I like to see it? Yes. Do I know? Do I think it's really possible at this point? No. Um, I would like to see testing move to the point where it is. I think it's going to very much depend on how quickly the vaccine is rolled out and how quickly people get vaccinated and those numbers, because if that continues to increase and we see a lot of people getting vaccinated, I think there will be less and less pressure to do these testings on domestic flights or pre-domestic flights. Let's talk about the other big news now, Jeff, in in the travel, general travel space, and that's cruise lines. There has been no improvement for cruise lines, unfortunately, for those that love to cruise since the start of the pandemic. We saw that Canada has now banned all cruises of 100 plus people 
through the end of February of next year. And, and I think most cruise lines at this point have canceled through midsummer and several have canceled through the end of the year. What are your thoughts on these? Do you see the cruise line improving anytime soon? Personally, I've never cruised, but my initial thought is it seems like the last place you would want to put thousands and thousands of people uh, in, in mostly confined space most of the day for a week plus at a time. Even even if you require testing, and even if you test throughout the week, uh, it seems like the damage is done when you're sharing air 24-7. And that's the big problem with cruises. If you're on the smaller cruise lines, it's mostly indoors. Of course, there's time up on the deck where you would have good ventilation. But once you're in the by the rooms, in the hallways, in the dining areas, and even on the big ships, you're inside most of the time if you're doing any activities, going to any shows, doing any of your meals, anything like that is inside on these cruises. And they're so confined. And you're I mean, you're on a small ship. Some of the ships are gigantic compared to other ships, but still very small compared to a state or <laughs> or a city. So you're a national park. Yeah. Or a national park. So you you're much more confined. I think that people aren't booking. I think people are going to be afraid to cruise for a long time. And I think until we have vaccinations prevalent throughout the world, I, I don't know. I don't see the cruise industry recovering. I was surprised to see Canada block large cruises until uh, February of next year. And we may see them roll that back if things start to improve towards the fall. But it's it's not shocking that some of the smaller cruise lines have had to shut things down for the whole year because they just they can't afford to keep those boats up and running with with such a minimal presence of of people taking those cruises. So it's I mean, it's rough. Cruising is a huge industry, but it's just not the safest place to be right now. Yeah. And I mean not to be negative Nancy on this portion of the show, but I just, I just don't see cruising getting back to normal anytime soon. And honestly, I don't see any form of cruising really taking off until vaccines are widespread and maybe they combine a testing component along with vaccines, depending on what the data starts rolling in for vaccines. And if you can be a carrier still and you're, um, you can pass it along to others and things like that. So no good news from the cruise industry generally, and the latest news of uh, Canada shutting through next year, February, and small cruise line canceling through the end of the year. Another step in the wrong direction for cruise lines. Yeah, and I feel bad. My parents, and well, for everyone, but my parents specifically had a Viking River cruise in Europe scheduled for last summer, and that got canceled and pushed to this summer. And I believe it's been canceled again, and they've pushed it until the next summer or so. Who knows when people are going to be able to take those cruises that they had booked or when they'll be able to push or if they'll end up with refunds. But I, I mean, my family will be watching it just like everyone else, because like I said, my parents are are hoping to get over there and enjoy Europe when things open back up there. So that kind of brings us to the end of our our updates on travel, on credit cards, on airlines. We spend a lot of the time on credit cards because that's where the biggest moves are happening. So. We'll do this about once a month and we will give you all the updates we can and try and be up to date as up to date as we can. And we hope you enjoy this kind of episode. Well, we hope you had as much fun listening to that episode of Miles and Points with Pints as we did recording it. With so many banks and travel brands trying to keep their customers loyal in this ever-changing world of travel, the changes are a lot to keep up with. Hopefully this episode helped a little bit with that. All of the important points and links for things we talked about during our conversation will be in the show notes, so you can pick up anything that you missed the first time through. The easiest place to find those notes is at milesandpints.com. Thanks so much for listening to Miles and Pints, the travel and beer podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe so you can hear all of our new episodes as soon as they're released. Tell your friends and family about us so they can enjoy the show too. And please take a few minutes to leave us a review on your favorite listening platform. 
In between episodes, you can get more travel and beer content by following at Miles and Pints on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. You can also stop by our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Miles and Pints. And that's all we have for this episode. Until next time, we hope you'll find yourselves a little bit of travel, a little bit of beer, and a whole lot of fun. Like a dream.